For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yes, Stats versus Film is back in your life, ladies and gentlemen. We turn the page on week three. We look ahead to week four, tell you what is true, what is fiction, by going through every single team, diving into the tape with certain players, and as always, jumping into Hayden Winks' fantasy usage model, which you can check out in the description down below. If the people are new, first time watching Stats versus Film, welcome. There's no other fantasy football show quite like it. Week three was insane with a number of new players popping up with all different roles, players that we love taking in rounds 11, 12, 13, 14, and later on after that. While we love superstars, I also really do appreciate when we get some you know new faces in big-time situations, and week three certainly delivered on that. Zay Jones, Isaiah McKenzie, ever heard of him? Hayden was looking out for the people out there who loved the Washington Commanders, the Tennessee Titans, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and said, hey, we need to flip this week from alphabetical order. I said, no, not this week. It's not the week to do it, but I promise you we'll do that next week. Okay? I promise. So that means, as always, we start off this show with the Arizona Cardinals. Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown, 17 targets, 14 receptions, 140 yards. This is the type of usage that we wanted to see from the wide receiver when they trade a first round pick for him last April. Hayden, I love the connection that we saw between Kyler and him, even if we still haven't seen that one big massive play yet from the two linking up here early in the season. Yeah. And like the second half of the game, it was just a bunch of like quick outs and some of it was against Jalen Ramsey. Some of it wasn't, but at the end of the day, we can complain about Cliff Kingsbury. We can complain about the offense right now. There's nobody else to throw the ball to. It's him and Greg Dorch. AJ green is missing some time. Uh, They're not running the ball nearly as well as they did the previous season. So it's a lot of just passes to Marquise Brown. I think it's going to continue for the next couple of weeks. I'm not sure if Rondell Moore is going to play this next week, but even if he does, Greg Dorch has been doing kind of the same thing. So it's not even really a problem with that. He's their player on the outside that can do anything at all. And it's going to continue. I thought it was a great combination. Not only Marquise Brown going against like third, fourth and fifth string cornerbacks, but also when going up here against Jalen Ramsey, again, they had that nice little blend of getting him those screen passes very close to the line of scrimmage because of the cushion that these players were giving him. But then also he would stress vertically and quickly sit down on his routes there was this there was that one you know deep target that he did receive that was just a couple inches away from a really really big play. I keep stressing this and maybe this is dumb, but look where all of this happens. It's all on the left side, you know? So in game 7 of this team, we're going to see a very different role from Marquise Brown. There are some slot snaps here, very few from the right side. The only one I think is one target on the right side of the formation was a fourth down when they ran a speed out with him, you know, to the Kyler's favorite side. But for now, what this is, I'm not saying we're going to get 17 targets each and every week. Here's the one deep shot that nearly hit. But it's so clear that this is the offense, right? It is James Conner getting the rock. It is hopefully in phase. Marquise Brown stressing vertically, sitting down, 
and coming up with a bunch of these catches. This is a nice little launching point that from here on out in like the early parts of the Arizona Cardinals offense. Yep, he is the wide receiver nine in usage for the first three weeks. And speaking of like this horizontal rate, everything's underneath. I think like Kyler's like 26 in ADOT right now. Zach Ertz is a clear winner from this. The first game back uh, uh, in, in week one, he was battling through a calf injury. The second week, he has 19.7 expected half PPR points. Last week, 15.4. That's elite, elite, elite. He's the tight end three in the fantasy usage model. It will not be sexy, but Zach Ertz will catch and fall a bunch of times this week again. Did want to share this. He's not an ambi turner. It's very clear that Marquise Brown is not. I don't know if Hayden even gets that reference. The no people idea. out there, <laughs> the people out there too. Let us know in the comments if you get the ambi turner reference. We need some of that engagement. Um, we saw James Conner back. Anything we want to say about him? Um, he he was rotating a little bit more than he usually does. He only played sixty percent of the the snaps. Uh, both Daryl Williams and Eno Benjamin got in there. Uh, but I think that's probably just because he was like a true questionable remember like even like Schefter going into uh week three was saying that they're going to put him through a workout and all that stuff so uh I'm hoping that this trend isn't going to continue but for, in the meantime Eno Benjamin kind of in a Chase Edmonds role but when they get down to the goal line we all know where the ball's going yeah and even here that one route over the middle of the field was a third long that was basically an extended screen to Marquise Brown so if defenses catch a, catch on moving forward here it's interesting to see what the pivot is for for Cliff Kingsbury Cardinals down Atlanta Falcons up next lots to discuss with the Falcons and it needs to start with Kyle Pitts Hayden after back-to-back 19 yard games we get eight targets five receptions and 87 yards were you thrilled with the usage yeah I, I love the usage right now uh he is the tight end nine in usage after a couple uh, pretty rough games to start the season basically what's going to happen is the tape is going to say that he has the usage. He's going to have some spiked weeks, but right now the Falcons are 30th in pass attempts, so it's hard for him to run that many routes. He's 20th um, uh, among tight ends in routes, but those routes that are, he's running are super valuable, and I think that the making fun of Arthur Smith stuff needs to stop. This is like the first Whoa. play of the game. Uh, play action stuff downfield. We get the screen game. We got a bunch of deep deep uh, plays. He had like 164 air yards last week. He's number two in air yards per game. It's all the fun stuff. He's going to be boom bust. He's not going to be as consistent because the Falcons don't, uh, they're not looking to pass as much, but screen game he drew a defensive pass inter- interference in the, in the end zone here, a bunch of cool things coming on and you just don't get this type of talent, this type of usage from tight ends very often. So I, he's not going to be Mark Andrews. He's not going to be Travis Kelsey. I think that him or Darren Waller, I think it's going to be like a toss up. Okay. I'm going to push back a little bit just for the sake of this conversation. Okay. This is like a nice creative wrinkle that we see from the NFL Falcons, right? It's full house backfield off of play action. You get Kyle Pitts one-on-one with the safety here in Josh Jones. However, what this brings up Hayden is if the safety is just bailing in his coverage, there's no route here. It's just a vertical route along the sideline, which is good. It's positive, but what has to happen is for Josh Jones to sit down here for this to be a big play, unless Marcus Mariota obviously throws it in contested situations, which he does here. That's great because the guy is huge. He's a big time athlete. I would love to see more of this. I would love to see more middle of the field work. What I am a bit discouraged of are these wide, wide snaps where he's being asked to win along the sideline. Because as you said, we are not getting a ton of volume from Marcus Mariota in general. This is a player that, has to play with an inaccurate quarterback at times. And then you're basically not adding another defender here, but you're 
asking him to work in a in a more difficult scenario where there's less of the field. Like I would love more middle of the field work. I would love more pure slot work rather than the 27% of snaps or the 24% of snaps that he's seeing out wide this season. I love that wide stuff. There, there's going to be a couple of games. There's going to be a couple of games where he catches a 60 yard pass and you just don't find that at tight end. So I'll, I'll deal with it. He's, he's not going to be, he's probably not going to be worth a third round pick. Like I'm, I've recentered my expectations, okay. but it's, he still has a, a great profile. Like the fact that he's winning outside, I, I still, but is he, he winning is still, outside? Yeah, of course. He's winning in a straight line, you know, and then going up and getting it because he's a big ass dude. You know, they're giving him they're giving him stuff in the end zone. They're giving him screens. So it's they're giving him all the they're giving him all the stuff that he needs. You mentioned the and he did have a pass interference, so that should count here. But he has one red zone target this season. Mm-hmm. One after 14 last season, you know, like he's on a worse pace this year for red zone situations than he was last year. Like, I guess what I'm saying is I understand that Marcus Mariota is only going to attempt 26 passes per game. And I think it's important to note here, Drake London is an absolute stud. And so if Drake London is a stud, it's it's more difficult for Kyle Pitts to get home, again, when your quarterback is among the lowest in pass attempts per contest. But we're also not getting anything easy near the red zone either, where we are seeing that. And maybe it's because he doesn't have that feel of Mark Andrews. Maybe I need to get that out of my brain when he's a third-round pick and Mark Andrews was a second-round pick, right? But we're just not getting the same high-value targets unless you want to talk about those down in the field that we are from the elite tight ends across the mm-hmm. league. When we have been told and viewed that Cal Pitts is an elite type of evaluation. Yeah. The, the pit stuff, it's, it's not like, it's not going to have like high success rates, but like those are valuable targets down the field. Like he's not going to come down with them for three weeks in a row and then he will come down with them. And then that's all of a sudden that's a 6.7.8 point that's fantasy fair. play. So I, it's just going to be more boom bust just because the way he's used. But like you said, Drake London is good at so football. Good. I just wanted to show this play because this is what I saw on tape all the time at USC. He's very big, but he can sink his hips. And I, I'll zoom in a little bit. But like the fact that he can just turn, sink, and then spin out of there is just very encouraging. Kind of reminds me of Michael Thomas in some ways. And I, I really do think he's going to be a dominant player in the league. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on Drake London. Glad we were all over him in drafts. The issue was he was going four rounds later than obviously where, where Kyle Pitts is going. Um, one final note on Cal Pitts. He has an A dot this season of 14.3. You know, mm-hmm. that's three and a half yards further than the next closest tight end, who is Mark Andrews. I just want some more easier stuff, you know? That's fair. Yeah. Because that would help us get home. Okay. CPAT, again, let me bring it up. Whenever he touches the ball versus Tyler Algier touching the football, it's the non comparison in the actual production the visual, the aesthetically pleasingness of the entire thing. And CPAT is just awesome. And he's one of the best backs in fantasy football right now for for the value of where you drafted him. Yeah, so this is a tricky one because he was super efficient last year. The tape is telling me I'm expecting him just to keep being efficient just because the way they're using him and he looks so damn good. Right now, he's like a very clear negative regression candidate. He's the RB23 in uses, the RB4 in actual half PPR points. That's not sustainable. He's only played 62% of the snaps. Uh, He is getting uh, phased out in passing game situations at times. There There was a couple goal line snaps where Tyler Algier was on there, but I'm with you. CPAT looks incredible. It wasn't just the hurdle that went viral. There was one cutback where just outside zone, cuts it all the way back up field for a monster game. He looks incredible right now. So I think I'm going to be ranking him as like the RB20-ish a week. I'm not sure if I'm going to get much higher than that. Running back five in fantasy points per game right now in half-point PPR. Cordero Patterson is. 
Baltimore Ravens up next. There's so much to say about Lamar Jackson. Five touchdown game against the New England Patriots. Five. And Hayden, I have to ask, is it going to slow down? Because from my seat, how the Ravens are built right now, it's not for multiple reasons. Lamar is playing out of this world, and they are putting the offense on his back like they did during the MVP season. And even with offensive line injuries, he's handling empty and blitzes and everything so much better than he did last year. Yeah, everything is funneling through him. They're still top five in neutral pass rates, even with J.K. Dobbins coming back last week. It's it's the Mark Andrews show. It's the Lamar Jackson stuff. All Obviously, you're getting all the designed carries and stuff. I didn't even think that the Patriots defense even played bad. I just thought yeah. like it was just like, what are you supposed to do with uh, Lamar Jackson when he's throwing the ball like like he is this year? So to me, this looks like an MVP type of uh, a season. This is clearly a fantasy MVP type of season Rashad Bateman uh explosive Mark Andrews makes a couple of mossing plays in the end zone every single week they're throwing the ball downfield it's all of the boom stuff yeah he's gonna have maybe a couple dud weeks but for the most part man it looks it looks unstoppable and this is with backup uh offensive linemen right and I know the neutral pass rate is like top five in those scenarios even though the actual volume the raw stats say about 29 passes Per game, I don't need to tell you that Mark Andrews is legit good at the game, but look at this. This is exactly what we need. He's getting vertical passes in the middle of the field. He's also getting some manufactured touches closer to the line of scrimmage. He's getting these over routes over the middle of the field. So again, you get all different levels of Mark Andrews winning. And when you just watch tight ends across the league, his field to be able to sit down in these spaces is unparalleled. And then he has some shiftiness. He, he has some movement to his game to then create space after that or just, you know, slightly move away from these defensive linemen. I just also want to point out that Lamar Jackson, the pocket has been unbelievable despite these. It's, it is funny to see him go from like one to two to three. And then when he gets done with three to like check over his shoulder to see if a pass rusher is close to him because he isn't totally trusting this third string left tackle that they have out there. But then he, we also see this amazing athleticism already that now he's skirting out of pocket and getting to the sideline all the pieces that we want for multiple 40 point weeks which you already have i think two so far this year it's yep. all lining up for him um the debate really is right now is rashad bateman this is like stats versus film like this could be like the cover image of this right now he's the wide receiver 69 and expected half ppr points not that nice but he is absolutely balling he's still getting subbed down some passing uh, or some rushing situations for demarcus robbins it's kind of frustrating i do think that that some of the um injuries uh to the ravens defense is going to end up helping uh, rashad bateman and devin duvernay he can't keep getting away with this this is enough already with this like he is absolutely balling he was a, a round 18 target of ours though. Um, so I'll, I'll let it slide, but I think Rashad Bateman's probably going to be a very inconsistent low yeah. floor, uh, like wide receiver three, probably going to end the season as like the wide receiver 26, something like that, because he's so efficient. The Ravens will get in some crazy shootouts, but his usage is not like any of the other wide, wide, wide receiver threes, much, much, much lower. Lamar is still, let me find it fourth in 20 plus yard targets this season. Already has 18. Rashad Bateman's a huge part of that, even if he didn't have his first target last week until or first catch until uh, the fourth quarter. I'm with you. The, the volume is going to be inconsistent. But man, whenever he gets the opportunity, it's still fantastic. So boomer bust, like you outlined, is is the right way of putting it. And that throw to Devin Duvernay along the right sideline on like third or fourth down in the red zone was insane mm -hmm. stuff from Lamar. I keep using that word, but I'm, I'm getting flashbacks. Oh, I'm yeah. getting flashbacks. And it's, it's, it's the right type of fun. Okay. Also, I stand by my top 10, Mark Andrews, overall. Oh, you should. You should. Yeah. Buffalo Bills. 
we got Devin Singletary as like even more of a workload than he saw last season. I think it was matchups based. What mm-hmm. do you think? Uh, I was going to say the exact same thing. I have one clip I'll pull up in a second, but it's these amoeba fronts that the Dolphins use, which means there's about six or seven uh, front front seven players all standing right next to the offensive line and they're blitzing a ton. And a lot of the time with this, they were just letting Devin Singletary kind of fly right by him, toss the ball over the top of them. So um, I thought it was a very good game for the bills in general, for how chaotic the uh, dolphins uh, defense was, there was a lot of blitzes. Yeah. And when, when they weren't blitzing, there were a lot of cover two stuff. So there's a lot of check downs to Devin Singletary. I think this is just a credit to Devin Singletary for being a trusted player compared to Zach Moss. And obviously uh, James cook a huge part of his receptions as Hayden just outlined were because of the, different blitz packages that the Dolphins were putting out there. It was also a big part of why they had 90 plays versus the 39 of the Dolphins was because of all these shorter receptions, you know, that they had to go 18, 14, 16 play drives. Um, We saw portions last year where he had, you know, six, seven, eight, nine targets. And a lot of those were like in the phase of a play. A major part why he did get home in this game was obviously the touchdown, but I just, I don't think this is an instance where we can even take, I don't know, half of this receiving production and latch it on to the future games as well. It's really important, again, to note that this is probably a a cause or a result of what the Dolphins were doing up front versus, hey, this is how the Bills want to use Devin Singletary each and every week because it worked. Because I don't know if this is how they want to play with their offense. No, they don't want to throw the ball four yards. And they still can't run the ball. Like, that's a big part. Other than with Josh Allen, they cannot run the ball, despite, again, a long Zach Moss run on the outside. They're still a highly inefficient team when running the football. I felt bad for for James Cook. He gets subbed in at, like, the three-yard line, and then Josh Allen fumbles the snap, and then he gets subbed out, and then Devin Seals to Terry, I think, scores, like, on the next play. So he didn't even get a chance to touch the ball. I felt bad. Yeah. Okay. There goes the Buffalo Bills. Great to see Gabe Davis out there. Again, I thought he played more than they probably wanted him to because of that injury to Jake Kumaro. And love the Isaiah McKenzie usage too, especially against this type of defense that yeah. you know has some roots in the Patriot system. I, I do want to mention just Isaiah McKenzie for DFS. And if you're looking for projections and hires and lowers and all that type of thing, I think Isaiah McKenzie played more and got the ball more because they're playing so much man defense on the other side. I think they're making it a point for getting Isaiah McKenzie on the field compared to Jameson Crowder. And he had a good game. I wonder if this is going to spiral where it's not going to be as much of a 50, 50 split. We'll see what happens in week four. If you are new here, if it's your first time checking out stats versus film, welcome. It's our favorite show of the week to do about 75% of you who watch it each and every week are not subscribed to the channel. Fix that. We love doing this show. The instant reaction show you absolute losers subscribe to the channel. We'll get you ready with Hayden's tiers and rankings on Thursdays. And we have a new show on Fridays here with the top 20 players that we believe define the upcoming week in fantasy football as well. One more thing. Homework for you guys. Watch the Maddie videos down. Film breakdowns every single week. Go find those on the channel. They're awesome. Go learn something. Carolina Panthers up next. DJ Moore is going backwards. This is not the direction we thought DJ Moore would go with Baker Mayfield. 43 yards in game one, 43 yards in game two, and now two yards in week three. He is still playing 98% of the snaps. The people out there drafted DJ Moore as maybe the wide receiver 14 this season. What should they expect moving forward? 
not not wide receiver 14 numbers Sadness. um <laughs> yeah he's the wide receiver 54 right now he's still looking for his first game with over 10 expected half ppr points he's out there for all the oh. snaps but my biggest criticism right now it seems like there's a lot of routes that are just wasted they're, they're not like real routes a lot of underneath stuff um some some mesh routes there's like some i don't even know how to describe it except that it's not working in baker mayfield is dead last in success rate and they're, they're, it's not like the courtesy, like uh, the, the best way to describe the Curtis Samuel videos that we were posting where there's a lot of option routes and a lot of the fun stuff that you can do with a player of DJ Moore skill set. You're not getting that. You're just getting some of this de- decoy shit. And it's they don't have enough other secondary options to be throwing the ball to those type of players. It can't be these type of routes. So um, it is what it is. I don't know how much better it's going to get. He's still so good at the game. He's still so athletic. And there really is Baker Mayfield can't be this bad the rest of the season. I think he'll get a little bit better, but that's not saying a whole lot. He's, he's among the worst quarterbacks in the league right now. Even this last throw, like this should be an easy conversion speed out. And then Baker's just off target. He was off target on another pass on third and three that he just sailed DJ Moore. Like Baker Mayfield is a huge problem here, but I also think part of the problem is this type of stuff that Ben McAdoo is running. If you're just constantly running mesh, you're running it into the heart and the trash of the defense. And it's difficult to get through, you know, it's difficult to get through over and over and over again. They're just spamming this stuff. I also want to point out in a moment after this play, see, they run into each other again. Like this is slowing down. And when your offensive line also is allowing pressure, but this is the biggest issue with Baker. Like, look at this. This is a clean pocket. It's single high safety. What you need to do is hit this vertical route to the outside under saying it's shy Smith, but give your dude a chance. And what Baker sees as soon as he drops his eyes, he's panicking. He's panicking. And then he crumbles in the pocket. What are you doing, Baker? Yeah. Even that, like the overthrow that you mentioned, that's a, like third and seven. And like our best play design is just a fucking like little quick out. It's yeah. DJ Moore. I know. Let him like run. Let, let him try to win a route. Because he's so good with the ball in his hands. You'd think that they'd be able to get the ball in his hands in creative or simple situations. Like what the Panthers need to do or needed to do was just bring North Turner back. Scott Turner back. Like these players, <laughs> they're so much better than they were with Ben McAdoo right now. It's ridiculous. I also want to bring up because I'm a little bit nervous after what LaVisca Chenault did on four snaps, two catches and 90 yards. See, this is just slants and then flat, right? This isn't a route, but it's getting he, him in. He this- probably should have threw this to DJ Moore to be honest. I know, and, <laughs> but he's so terrified, Yeah, but this is open space. And so the Panthers who have said in recent weeks, well, we need to start playing more of these wide receivers, this is maybe the answer. Okay, well, what if DJ Moore is no longer the player that they want or think that they should manufacture touches to, and instead it's now LaVisca Chenault, you know? Then that's going to take even more opportunities away from DJ Moore. I think that this is like the most ridiculous two-snap span. Again, the guy played four total snaps and ran two routes and caught two passes for 90 yards. Awful tackling, awful angles. Hey, that's pretty nasty. It's pretty sweet. It's pretty pretty sweet. sweet. And even the second one, I mean, it was a one A dot, a one A dot, because this we see it all the time on third and long. It's basically downfield screens. Everyone's running verticals. You don't even see them turn back for the ball. It's a design to manufacture touch, which we know LaVisca Chenault, this is his game, our manufacture touches, takes it and runs with it. Look, they're not even turning back for the ball. It's not routes. These are blocks. They're downfield blocks. But this, it gives me nerve, like makes me nervous that maybe now the 
even easier stuff doesn't even go to DJ Moore. It now goes to Visca. You know who should go to is Christian McCaffrey. Why is he running 66% of the routes this last week? And the other thing is Christian McCaffrey looks amazing running the ball, like legitimately amazing. And they're actually very efficient running the ball. Uh, The offensive line run blocking wise looks okay. And Christian McCaffrey to me doesn't look a step slower. None of those are, are concerns of mine. They need to just not be, I don't know, like 30th in plays. Um, So and you know, but in order to not be 30 the plays, you have to convert first downs. Yeah. Like you have to extend drives. And like they have major, as we just outlined, like the front stuff, the first stuff has to happen for the second stuff to happen. Mm-hmm. And the first stuff isn't happening now. Yeah. It's tough. They they're probably last in the league or close to it in yards gained on first downs. They're abysmal with that right now. Chicago Bears. This team might be actually last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, let's start with the positives, and that is Khalil Herbert. He was one of our favorite picks all summer in four games last year, and this is the reason why we were advocating for him back all the way in June. Four games last year, stepping up for David Montgomery, he averaged 20 carries, 86 yards, two receptions, 11 yards. After that first series when David Montgomery went down last week, he then got 20 carries, 157 yards, and two scores, and two receptions. We don't know as of this recording how long David Montgomery is out, but when Khalil Herbert is the running back one on his own team, he will be ranked inside of the top 15 overall, despite the Bears being a bad offense at the moment. Yeah, I think if for the waiver wire bros, that's not us because, you know, we play best ball out here. But if you are a waiver wire bro, I'm going crazy for Khalil Herbert. Even if David Montgomery is fine, we just know how efficient of a ball carrier he is and how run heavy this offense is going to be. And I'd rather blow my fab early on in the season than later. And I think that Khalil Herbert can play last week is pretty interesting. They got Tristan Ebner. He's not supposed to be like an NFL like type of running back. Um, some touches uh, kind of going back like that, the two uh, drives, then one drive situation, but then he fumbles on a little zone read going into halftime and he doesn't come back and touch the ball the rest of the game. Khalil Herbert gets all the work in this entire second half. So even if David Montgomery does play this week, I still think that Khalil Herbert should be rostered everywhere because we know what he can do and what we we know what this offense is. They're like 30% neutral pass right now. It's like a complete outlier. We haven't seen this in a long time. Khalil Herbert is averaging 4.8 yards after contact per attempt. Only DeAndre Swift and Aaron Jones rank higher for him. Like That run right there is impressive. David Montgomery was playing really well. Khalil Herbert was playing really well. This is why prior to this contest, Montgomery was getting two series that every one for Khalil Herbert. It wasn't a rotational thing. It wasn't a role thing. It was, hey, we want both of you to make a statements this season. Khalil Herbert's fantastic, man. I believe it's David Montgomery's final contract year two. Like this is a future, you know, starting back in the league. Again, the only question between this guy and the one we're going to talk about, the Detroit Lions, for waivers and for fab is well how long are the injuries to the two starters but it's pretty clear that both have you know significant impacts on their team no matter what even when the starters do come back did want to throw this up there hayden we love our viewers back on june 9th we did a show of flipping these adps back then khalil herbert was going as running back 52 he only closed as running back 49 what a player. What a player Khalil Herbert is. I feel like the people hated, rightfully so, the Chicago Bears offense, but it's pretty clear you could hate the offense and the Chicago Bears, but you can't hate Khalil Herbert. Yeah, 
I think I think Montgomery and Herbert are both good. Um, but real Maybe. quick, just to show you guys how crazy of an outlier the Bears are, 33% neutral pass rate. I mean, look at everybody else is nowhere near them. It's just them. I want to shout out Graham Barfield on Justin Fields' stat that is mind-blowing here. Justin Fields has 23 completions and taken 11 sacks through three games. The last time that a quarterback started his first three games with fewer than 25 completions and 10 or more sacks was David Carr in 2005 and Tim Couch in 1999. That's a tweet. And I think this outlines, I'm not even going to say the Bears situation at the moment because I actually think this offensive line is run blocking really well, but it's outlining who Justin Fields is at the moment because he's not playing the game. Like things are open down the field and he's just not pulling the trigger. JT O'Sullivan just did a great breakdown in him. It just feels like he's not seeing it, not comfortable in anything, which is a shame because I think there was a bit of optimism of how they were getting him outside the pocket and getting him into maybe a more friendly uh, scheme for him. And it's just not working and it's not clicking. And I don't know something, a, tor- a corner has to be turned during the season for this to be a positive Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet situation. Yeah, it's tough. Okay. Cincinnati Bengals. So we saw the Bengals and Joe Burrow really struggling through the first two weeks. Then they faced the New York Jets, a team that only ran cover two about 2.7% of the time heading into the contest. We saw Joe Burrow get home, but not necessarily in the same exact way that he got home last season, Hayden. Yeah, I, I did want to mention that they were trying to pass. It was actually their highest neutral pass rate since week 10 of 2020 for the Bengals. So they were getting the looks that they wanted, and they were throwing the ball down. So there's a couple plays where he just missed, like the T. Higgins one in the back of the end zone. Um, but there was a lot of pl- passes to Joe Mixon involved throughout the game too. So I'm curious what, what you saw on tape. Well, what stood out to me was even when they ran cover hot cover two, we still haven't seen a bunch of these deep shots outside of the numbers. Um, like so far, Joe Burrow only has two completions of 20 plus air yards a season after 28 during the regular season uh, last year. So look, this is the one shot that we're getting and it's a great catch. That's important. We're just getting these looks less and less, but even against a team like the Jets, um, who didn't want to change things up, who still did want to blitz, and Robert Sala sticking to you know his foundational ideas. Um, I still have questions about the Bengals moving forward. And Hayden, maybe on top of this, their rushing efficiency is so much worse than it was last year. And I think that's a huge part of maybe Zach Taylor's comfort in this offense because it was so good at the start of last year that it allowed them to go through some not growing pains, but figure out their identity along as the season went along and then really become this pass first team right now. I still feel like we have a bunch of questions heading into week four. I think Joe Mixon's the number one player you should be trying to trade for. He is not only just the number one in expected half PPR points among running backs. He's number one in expected half PPR points among wide receivers and tight ends too. He happens to be the RB 20. It's, Nothing makes sense. He's on pace for over 100 targets. His previous uh, career high was only 55. They're giving him opportunities on these little swing passes, a couple more screens than we're used to. It's always been the pass protection issue for G- for Joe Mixon, not his hands or anything like that. He's good after the catch. I think that Joe Mixon's going to have a couple monstrous games. 
I don't know why it's been so bad. I'm hoping it's not the ankle injury. We'll get the practice reports as for another day, but I think Joe Mixon and this offense will figure it out eventually. I was just about to say the exact same thing. We've seen it before. I think a lot of this also is offensive line miscommunications. Lyle Collins is playing really, really bad football at the moment. Hopefully this can get sorted as you go through the season. I think they have enough pieces to do it. Um, especially again, Jamar and hopefully T Higgins is fine. I mean, two head injuries in the first opening three weeks. Cause he's su- such, such a good player, not in the shadow of Jamar chase, but both can hit both can 100%. Oh hit. yeah. Jamar chase also a positive regression candidate. Too. Oh yeah. He and sauce got into a little bit last week. That was fun to watch. Sauce is fun. Cleveland Browns. Another one of our favorites, Hayden, David and Joku. The usage was absolutely unreal. Everything we could have asked for, right? 10 targets, nine receptions, 89 yards, and a score after prior to that, just four catches for 39 yards. He looks really good, man. He just, there's not play, many players that have, have his like physical attributes, and the usage is chasing him because Donovan Peoples Jones isn't getting the ball. The, those slot receivers aren't very good. Um, and to me, the big story is Jacoby Brissett looks just better than I think most people were expecting. And I think that this offense is going to be just at least functional, maybe nothing too sexy. Uh, their running game is like completely oh. rare, like completely rare, like not like just great. Like we're talking about, uh, like top eight all time for an NFL yes, season, that type of good. Um, uh, but really David Njoku. 8.4 and 14.3 expected half PPR points in the last two games. He's now up to the tight end 11 in the fantasy usage model, the tight end 10 and half PPR points per game. I can see him being a consensus top 12 tight end very fast. In fact, I haven't done my rankings for this week, but depending on matchups, I might sneak him in there. Okay. That's important because people right now probably had him on their bench because he didn't do anything in the first two weeks. I'm with you. And people who listen to the show can tell Jacoby Brissett is shocking me with how well he's playing. You know, if Kevin Zafanski, if you said who'd you rather have as your starter right now, it's pretty clear it's oh yeah, it's Jacoby Brissett over Baker Mayfield, right? Like Jacoby's oh, yeah. just a better player in this system. Um, I think everything that he did in this game is translatable too, because you know, they would spread things out and he helps sometimes in blocking, or it's trail coverage, or he's finding zones that he's sitting in and using that elite movement that he's always had the biggest difference for David and Joker this year. Hayden is he's just playing all the time. Yeah. You know, he's playing yeah. all the time. He this can block, great. you know, he, he can block too. He's awesome. And then if we get some of this stuff where you can ask him oh, to yeah. go up and get it in between two zones, beautiful. Like I am with you based on this. I would be starting him from here on out at the garbage pit. That is the tight end position. Unless you have, Travis Kelsey and, and Kyle Pitts and maybe Tyler Higby and Zach Ertz, but that's a conversation for another time uh, because you just don't get this type of upside. You know, other than Amari Cooper, who's awesome, it's David Njoku in the passing game, and that's yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's great because they're not getting the ball to anybody else. Like Nick Chubb, top five in fantasy usage. Uh, Kareem Hunt is the RB10 in usage. He's actually a little positive regression candidate. And then Amari Cooper, wide receiver 21. Jacoby Brissett's keeping everybody afloat. And I think David Njoku's improved his game. Like he's added some real feel for that zone. You know, he finds the soft areas. He attacks the shades of the defenders. Uh, just to bring this up one more time. Why can't we get, you know, some of this usage for Kyle Pitts, Hayden? Why I can't we screen. get any of this stuff? I mean, it's I different screen. screens. Arthur Smith isn't, you know, Kevin Stefanski. But like, hey, this is pretty neat stuff. 
mm-hmm. you know? Just saying. It could be better. <laughs> we all could. Dallas Cowboys. Two things that I have. Noah Brown still looks great. I mean, he has at least five catches in every single game. Totals of 54, 68, and 91 yards. I don't also want to oversell this. But did C.D. Lamb just have his best game as a pro on Monday Night Football, despite the slow start that I think the criticism was warranted early on in that contest? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think it was his best game. It was the best, maybe, second half of the game. Uh, To me, he still needs to get more physical, and that's just kind of, sometimes the alligator arms it a little bit too much. Uh, They hide him in the slot. But he's still so athletic, and he's still clearly the number one receiver. Uh, Noah Brown has been good. Noah Brown is not going to get benched. Him and Michael Gallup are going to be out there. They're probably going to run a decent amount of three wide receiver sets at this point. Um, My big fantasy usage model note is Tony Pollard is one spot ahead of Zeke Elliott when it comes to usage. For the first time that we can possibly say that, Zeke needs the goal line carries. That's where he feasts, obviously, and the Cowboys just aren't getting as many goal line opportunities without Dak Prescott. So they're scheming up Tony Pollard a little bit, who obviously looks um, as advertised. So right now, both of them are on the RB3-ish border. Um, Yeah, Zeke looks pretty toast until Dak Prescott gets back. And speaking of keeping afloat, the passing game is staying afloat because of Cooper Rush. It seems like Michael Gallup is nearing a comeback he was questionable mm-hmm. heading into heading into week three that's obviously a wait and see for your lineup it's a wide receiver so it's a deeper position but as hayden outlined i wouldn't expect noah brown to just go to the bench unless it's two wide receiver sets uh because noah brown's legit good he's legit good okay denver broncos i truly don't have anything to say about the denver broncos and that's shocking heading into week four where this team has so many pieces like Feel like we know what Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon are. Feel there like- was a little wrinkle there. Go, give it to me. Mike Boone was playing on passing downs in the second half. I mean, this has always been a pro Mike Boone podcast. Well, I don't <laughs> think anyone listening to this wants any bit of that. Um, I will say that Mike Boone did have a fumble um, on one of those situations. So I'm not sure. We haven't seen Mike Boone get any snaps, but this game was close and they actually got him out there a little bit. Uh, really interesting at the end of the game. They get down to the goal line games on the line and they sub in Melvin Gordon, who scores a touchdown. And then later they go like a couple minutes later, they're melting out the clock and then they bring Javante Williams in there. I don't know what their usage is. Um, all I know is that Javante Williams, even with, with all of this RB four in fantasy usage, he's a major, major positive regression candidate. This is a really weird. I tweeted about it. All of the top running backs, are underperforming their usage right now. And it's like, there's there's nothing, there's no reason why that would be like just this year that all the top running backs are playing like shit. I, I just think that it's just like a weird start to the season. And like, I think like six of the top eight uh, running backs in the fantasy usage model are performing under expected that I think that'll just course correct. Okay, I have the answer. You ready? Mm-hmm. I'm d- digging into my spreadsheets here. If we look at, here, I'll bring it up. Red zone touchdown rate. Guess who bottoms out the list? Denver scoring a touchdown on just 14.3% of their red zone trips. Carolina is at 30th, 37.5% of their red zone trips end in a touchdown. Just above that, the Indianapolis Colts at 28th, 40%. 
touchdowns matter for fantasy football. These teams are not scoring touchdowns in the red area where most of the touchdowns are scored in the league. And there's three of the top 10 backs drafted yep. this season, especially the top two. This is why the top two are not getting points because they're not scoring touchdowns. It's pretty simple. Yeah. But I think, I think that will, of course, correct. That's just like so outlierish how bad those teams you. have been there. Yeah. Of course, I mean, even, even Minnesota at 21, yep. you know, the Chargers are subbing out Austin Eckler in some of these situations. Like, I think six points is pretty key for, for fantasy football. And to me, that stands out of why they might be positive progression candidates. Cortland Sutton. Yep. He is the NFL leader, I guess leader in quotes, uh, negative 0.169 touchdowns over expected. That's the worst among any wide receiver. That will get corrected. Uh, was brought down in the, uh, right next to the end zone a couple times, back shoulder throws. He's their deep target. I, a lot of in-breaking stuff. Lots of uh, when, when Russell Wilson's scrambling out of the pocket, Cortland Sutton's I think, has got a little better feel compared to Jerry Judy. And right now he's crushing in air yards, crushing in the fantasy usage model. Um, and I still think there's more room for growth with Cortland Sutton. Detroit Lions. DeAndre Swift, great start the season, is the running back six in fantasy points per game. Jamal Williams, the running back seven in fantasy points per game. Even if he's not seeing as much usage or as many explosive plays when both were healthy, again, let me repeat, touchdowns are pretty damn important for fantasy football. And Jamal Williams leads the NFL in carries all 32 teams inside of the 10-yard line. And so, Hayden, now that we've heard from Dan Campbell, it sounds like DeAndre Swift is going to be sidelined for at least a couple weeks with this shoulder and ankle and every injury that he has right now. And so we are already getting Jamal Williams a much steeper discount than we were drafting DeAndre Swift. And now we get him as a top 12 running back because this offense is putting up a ton of points. He's already the RB8 and half PPR on RB15 usage because he get, keeps getting subbed in at the goal line. So I think he's going to run away with it. Craig Reynolds is going to be the number two last week. They got Craig Reynolds uh, in for a little bit. But Jamal Williams has been rushing very, very cleanly, and one of the best touchdown dance performances I've seen in a little bit. Uh, you don't get that gyration uh, at that level too much. So major, major shout-out to Jamal Williams. I, I'm with you. I think I will be ranking him as a top 12 RB because this offensive line looks great, even though there's missing a couple guys. I mean, major, major shout-out to us, to be honest, and all the viewers, too. People are going to start quitting if we keep <laughs> victory lapping our fifth. If, if you were watching us in June and July, you were nailing picks like Khalil Herbert, Jamal Williams, Devontae Parker, Zay Jones, Isaiah McKenzie, Cordero Patterson, James Robinson, KG Osborne, David Njoku. Pretty good week three for the show and the players that we like from rounds 11 and after. Jamal Williams is legit good. Like he's not the most explosive back. He's not DeAndre Swift. Even though maybe between the tackles where he's not gifted space, he's just as talented as a runner. But most importantly, this offensive line is fantastic, and Vegas loves them. They already have the most expected points for week four, Hayden. That's from our friend Jared Small. The Lions are expected to score the most points in week four, and we get to start Jamal Williams after taking him as a running back four or five in drafts. What could be better than that? Lions, man. What could be better than that? DJ Chark is this close to having a big game too. <laughs> I'm going to keep week. mentioning it on every yeah. single show. Like he had zero receptions in week two in week three. He started off with a 23 yarder and a, and a 17 yarder on the first series. And then he was this yeah. close again to a couple of big plays. Just remember this when he goes off. Well, Amon Rossi and Brown has a little bit of ankle injury. They, it says it's not a big deal, but we'll see. 
They also put 67 in motion. Did you see that? And then yeah. snap the ball as he was in motion and mm-hmm. just destroying a defensive tackle or defensive end. And what I love about the, the Lions is this. They're also one of these teams that are going to go for it. You know, like they missed a field goal in their first series. Then the next series, they go for it on a fourth and five. And they get a huge run and a huge gain by Amon Ross St. Brown. Like if something goes bad, Dan Campbell corrects it and they just stay hyper aggressive. He's the best. Everyone loves the Lions for a reason. Green Bay Packers are up next. Let's talk about a rookie here. Romeo Dobbs. His usage was fantastic. He went for eight for 73 and one touchdown. What stood out to me about Romeo Dobbs, Hayden, after profiling as a vertical player out of Nevada with a 13.9 A dot, Romeo Dobbs now is currently has the fifth lowest A dot of all wide receivers at 4.1 yards. I think the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are really starting to get comfortable with him and what the offense for the Packers has morphed into in 2022. 10.7 expected half PPR points last week. Uh, I'm very curious to see if he's going to be a full-time player into wide receiver sets because this is an offense that uses both the running backs, multiple tight ends. They sometimes mess around with the fullback historically. Um, so I'm very curious to see if, if it's him or Watson. I think that Romeo is just better. Um, and I do I, I do find that dot note interesting, but I don't see it continuing. He's just mm. too explosive downfield. I think they're going to give him a bunch of deep shots. I think it's more about who the Packers are currently without Devontae Adams, that this is the offense of style that they're running. It's a lot of play action to one side and shorter patterns. It's really forcing Aaron Rodgers to be nearly perfect, right? It's a bunch of RPOs. It's a bunch of shorter patterns. It's saying, hey, Aaron, read the defense pre and post snap and get the ball to the open guy shorter to the line of scrimmage. I'm with you. And Peter Bukowski, who covers the Packers and does a good job with that, pointed out that in order for this offense to be like actually good, like it has been during these Aaron Rodgers, like, MVP seasons, they have to start taking deep shots. They just have no one to do it with other than Romeo Dobbs. But it does stand out to me that a lot of this stuff are, he's like the primary read for, you know, it's mm-hmm. not just Alan Lazard and even saw one of those vintage Devonte Adams screens that the first guy close to the goal line pushes off the coverage. And Romeo Dobbs is the one that got the touchdown for it. I think Aaron, you know, we hear all about his trust and connection with these players. I think he now trusts Romeo Dobbs. And I don't think Christian Watson is just going to take this, you know, vast majority of snaps away once he does return to the lineup, which is really promising here. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I'm i probably not going to be ranking him too high uh, just because the way this offense is is running right now. But 10.7 expected half people once, if that holds, is like flex a bull. Um, Al Mazard got a couple of like the high leverage, like, I need a receiver to trust yep. throws. So um, he's not a sexy player, but I think that he's going to be a flex player too. Slim margins though, for this type of offense, right? Like mm-hmm. if Aaron Rodgers has an off day, you're screwed. Yeah. All RPOs, like a lot of RPOs. It's like letting Aaron Rodgers dictate the offense underneath, grind it out. When you don't have a dude who can get open at three yards, seven yards, 12 yards, 17 yards, like Devonte Adams, I guess that this is who they are until, you know, maybe Alan Lazar gets healthier or they do start hitting those deep shots to, uh, to Romeo Dobbs. Just so many RPOs in those high load back-to-back reads. Um, anything you want to say about this backfield? Um, I'll just pull it up right now. AJ Dillon has more expected half PPR points than Aaron Jones, but Aaron Jones has just been more efficient on them. Uh, Aaron Jones got a goal line carry this game, but historically like the last like season, uh, it's been going to AJ Dillon. I think both of them are RB twos. It's kind of hard to figure out 
Um, I'm hoping David Bakhtiari plays more snaps and gets a little better field. Like it's a good series, to see in out series out. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, I'm sure is tough on those offensive linemen, but all those offensive linemen have been filling in for him over the last mm-hmm. few years. So it's good experience uh, for just about everyone. Houston Texans up next. Only one man to talk about here. And that's Damian Pierce. Cause after that week one fiasco that happened in the fourth quarter in overtime, since Damian Pierce has 15 carries for 69 yards, and then this past weekend against Chicago Bears, 20 carries for 80 yards and a score. He's owning this backfield, and it's very clear that they now trust him with it. Yeah, RB21 in usage, and Rex Burkhead's like playing some passing downs, but aside from that, it's it's Damian Pierce. He's looked all right. He's very close to ripping off a big play. I hope that's not because he's not fast enough, but um, I think that he's doing everything. I did make Brandon Cooks the cover image because – Man, is he getting extremely unlucky. He's the uh, wide receiver 17 in usage, the wide receiver 58 in actual production. His uh, touchdowns over expected are the second worst among any wide receivers and tight ends, only uh, better than Cortland Sutton. This stuff will course correct. Brandon Cooks is too good. I'm a, a, a huge game could be coming at any point. Yeah, even without the passing game usage for Damian Pierce, I'm still trusting him as a running back too with where that position is at the moment. They do have the Chargers and the Jaguars up next in those contests. Indianapolis Colts this is another team I don't have too much to say about because it was just a weird game against the Kansas City Chiefs. They obviously had a short field offensively. I don't think that they've been fixed, especially when Matt Ryan has moved off his spot because it seems like sack fumbles or just sacks are are inevitable. Uh, one name I did want to bring up was Jelani Woods, who played 17 snaps, I think, this weekend, yeah. ran just a couple routes and saw two end zone catches. Um, I think Jelani Woods, if it's outside the five yard line, has trouble playing like legit football. But if you go up and I'm sure a lot of people didn't read what I wrote about him prior to the draft, he's a freak athlete who can post up and win in that tight field. And that's exactly how this team is using him. Yeah, don't pick up. Don't pick him up. <laughs> it's a rotation. <laughs> Um, yeah, my note after watching this game, it seems like Matt Ryan's on like animal playing like a wounded zebra getting chased down by like whenever he escapes the pocket, he's getting crushed. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have a feel for like when these players, these edge rushers are on his ass. But um, yeah, I don't have anything else besides that. No, I think that's one of the more straight uh, forward offenses in the league. He threw 50 times in the first game. Isn't that crazy? And only had one touchdown to speak of it. Next up for them, it's the Titans, the Broncos, and the Jaguars. Okay, speaking of the Jaguars, let's go to them next. What a fun team. Some might call it America's team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I love the combination that we are seeing between Zay Jones and Christian Kirk. It's not just the vertical stuff. What they're doing is not necessarily manufacturing touches to both, but using each in areas where they both win. And I know Kirk deserves all the credit that he's gotten because of the ridicule that the team got for paying him so much money. We know that he's here to stay. But if you talk about like wide receiver four and fives, Hayden, Zay Jones is here to stay too. Um, He's better, Say than, it. That. He's better than that in the, the usage model. He's the wide receiver 22 all of a sudden. Look at that. Yeah. Um, as my yeah. nephew Elliot would say, muscles. Yeah. Um, he's on the first place best ball mania three team at the moment, say Jones. Classic, is. classic. Yeah. I mean, he's got a role. Marvin Jones doesn't look very good to me still. Um, nope. I, I think like 
Doug Peterson. Offense in in general is amazing. Everything is clicking. Everything's and right now they're uh, Trevor Lawrence is number one in success rate. Like he's he's taken a step. It feels like everything's slowing down for him. Uh, he's been a little bit more accurate this year than given credit for the week one. I was a little suspect and I was like, Oh, what's going on here? But the last two weeks, everything's been on uh, a laser and yeah, everything's schemed up. Christian Kirk used perfectly. Uh, James Robinson used perfectly Travis or Travis Etienne even used perfectly. I would call Travis Etienne a buy low. If, 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 if everyone's recentered their expectations for what the season's going to be, I, like I think you should be buying Travis Etienne because I can see his role getting a little bit better and better. And James Robinson still coming off a huge injury. We don't know how well that's going to like last. Um, but James Robinson has been top five in a bunch of categories. And he took advantage of one of the worst rushing looks I've ever seen from uh, a defense. They had 13 personnel, three tight ends on the field, a fourth and one. And the Chargers were in nickel, which means five defensive backs. And they got gashed. I'm with you that Travis Etienne, he's doing all the small things ever since week one when he had a two mental mistakes. Like he even stood up, got blasted for it by Derwin yeah. James. But that pass pro rep, it mm-hmm. allowed Trevor Lawrence to hit down the field. You know, if he yep. doesn't stick his nose in there and understands he's about to get run over, that's a, that's a loss. I do want to bring up, it's a big test. And we'll talk about this on Friday's show. Big test for the Jaguars this week. They had the Philadelphia Eagles. Both of those teams are legit. I, I think the Jaguars are like, they're pretty spicy. I agree with you. Okay. Next up, it is the Kansas City Chiefs. Is it as bad as it appears on paper, Hayden? Because I went back and watched this game against the Colts. I outlined just a few miscues that this team had. Like It felt like on nearly every single second down in the first half, Gus Bradley was running some form of cover two. And then mm-hmm. when they did get cover one or cover three shots... Patrick Mahomes missed one to Marquez Vera Scantling early on in the contest. Um, I don't want to repeat exactly what we said in the instant reaction show, but they need like jumper cables. They need something to start this up. And I'm a little nervous that they don't have it in games like this when, you know, their punt returner gives the other team seven points and then forces them to start their first drive on the one yard line. Yeah, it was just not Mahomes best game. Now Mahomes is still first in EPA. Per play, like he's still incredible right now. They're just trying to figure things out. There's a couple plays where like uh, Travis Kelsey gets stopped at the uh, at like the one yard line. He gets stopped like on like a, basically to, to get fourth and inches, and they have to punt the ball there. Yep. A couple of plays where I'm like, man, maybe uh, a couple of years ago those are first downs. A couple overthrows like that one to MVS. That was a huge game. Ch probably had one of the worst rushes I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was like pointing to the hole. And that was a cover two look where they were like running into it uh, to try to get him out of there. And then they got Jarek McKinnon more involved. They got Isaiah Pacheco involved a little bit there. So I'm a little bit nervous about CEH. He did get a goal line carry later and converted on it. But that was after like 13 freaking tosses and everything. And right. none of that was working. There was, a, I think, a defensive pass interference. And then they finally give the ball to CEH. And then he goes. So um, I think CEH, everyone is calling him a sell high. If you can sell him high, I would do it. I fear that nobody likes CH and everyone calling him a sell high makes him that you can't even sell him right. high. It's pretty obvious that when yeah. you see that name up there as the running back four in fantasy points per game, yeah. when he just had eight carries for zero yards and a touchdown because of it, did look decent in the passing game in some of those instances, yes. especially on those screens. Like that's important. But I'm with you. And Nate Tice pointed this out and said this all summer. The play where Patrick Mahomes was pointing up the field, it was like an outside zone, and like that is not CEH's game at all. Um, he needs to be a power back who follows blockers and like get up the field and like let's do it. Um, 
he's not someone who's going to like cut on a dime. He's not someone that's going to cut up on a dime. Like this out. Then he goes backwards. I know this has to be better, but we've also seen him be better on different styles of runs, you know? And I actually thought when Isaiah Pacheco came in on these similar runs that were running against the Colts front, that he was better than those and those than CEH was. So I don't know exactly how to take, take it from there. And it's pretty telling that even when things are going down and this team might need some explosives, Sky Moore is still nowhere to be found in this wide receiver rotation. And I know this play was called back in a pass interference or offensive holding, but they had Justin Watson streaking cover two towards the middle of the field. It was a great play by a rookie seventh rounder to come up from the Colts and knock it away. But Justin Watson is still a member of this group versus an incompare. Like I keep getting Sky Moore comments on us saying, Hey, no one's coming to save this chiefs passing attack. That's vertical. That's a huge mountain to climb to be this team's wide receiver five at the moment. Huge. Yeah. Sky Moore. Um, what college tape were they watching where Sky Moore is like going to be a deep threat? I don't, I don't think it's, that's going to be his role, anyways. It's it just that MVS pass that we just showed that needed to get that has to hit, and then we don't talk about any of this. Yeah, it was just a weird game. Yep, I, I, I think that's very fair, and they just didn't have enough of those opportunities. This isn't qualitative or quantitative or anything like this, Hayden, but I did feel like a lot of those. I, I just covered all my bases saying that <laughs> I did feel like a bunch of those routes that would typically be vertical they would then curl them back or run backs on on comebacks a lot more often, like further down the six versus like, Hey, let's chase and try to get up the field. But that's just probably my eyes lying to me. I I will say the fact that they're first Patrick Mahomes is first in EPA per play and they're learning a new offense right now or like kind of adjusting to it, I think is pretty bullish long-term. Okay. Las Vegas Raiders stood out to me, Hayden. Zero snaps for Zamir White on offense, even though Josh Jacobs was extremely questionable heading into this contest, like had to get on a separate flight on a Saturday to come join here. And we all thought that Zamir White would be like the primary pickup, the primary backup for that. Again, turns out he had zero snaps in this contest. Uh, I have not watched this game, to be honest with you. Uh, Matt Collins had been running as like this team's second outside wide receiver. And without Hunter Renfro, who was dealing with a head injury, I believe Matt Collins went off in this contest. He looked really good. A couple sideline plays, like, whoo, like I, I think he's like a legit starting NFL outside receiver. Like he's like the perfect like fourth passing game option for this team because he can stretch the field. He is a really big bodied type of player. Uh, he looks really good last week. Um, notice with Devonte Adams, there was just. <sighs> there was a lot of times where it was just like an option right underneath. And I was hoping there would be a little bit more design with it. Um, and the offensive line for the Raiders, I find really unathletic. So when they're trying to get these like screens and stuff going, it's just not working. So uh, Derek Carr, there's a couple of times where I wish he threw the ball downfield uh, a little, little bit earlier in the play and give their, their guys a, a chance. But it was just a weird game for Derek Carr. I'm not expecting this to continue that much longer. The defense, I don't think all that good. And right now, Devontae Adams, even with all of the weirdness going on, I, I know I've been frustrated by it too. He is the number one wide receiver in the fantasy usage model. He's leading the NFL with 3.3 red zone targets per game. Still remains a focal point when they get down there. And I think that this stuff will get a little bit better. Yeah, The Darren Waller stuff, he was missed in week one, throw behind him in the end zone. And then this week, I believe he had a pass ricochet off his hands. Like these are simple plays yeah. that should be converted that hopefully are converted for yeah. the rest of the time. Some uh, positive regression, some might call it. Los Angeles Chargers. I don't want to do this. And I almost pulled up on my phone. 
I feel like it's time to play taps for this offense. Like we have seen this team without Keenan Allen the last few weeks. And now maybe most importantly, the drop off to Rashawn Slater to Storm Norton might not devastate the individual talent that is Justin Herbert, but this team already struggles, especially on early downs, throwing the football down the field. And they don't have any yards after catch wide receivers, really. That now, what is Joe Lombardi going to do and how is he going to answer where your best offensive lineman, along with Corey Lindsley at center, potentially missing extended time? Yeah, I'm not sure if you have the clip of Storm, but it, it wasn't pretty for him. He was the offensive tackle 85 out of 87 qualifiers per PFF on his couple snaps, couple holding calls, just did not look all that right. So we've been complaining about how the Chargers don't throw the ball downfield. And like right now, he's uh oh he's so bad like 6.7 or something like that it's i don't know how they're gonna throw the ball downfield jalen guyton tears his acl that's their like deep threat so this offense um is going to be a lot of dink and dunks dink and dunks and joey boats is going to be out for a while jc jackson re-injured his ankle i would say for for fantasy purposes there could be so much passing volume like the amount of checkdowns like Eckler and Keenan and Mike Williams will get eventually, I think will be pretty crazy, but the chargers just like efficiency wise is not going to be too pretty with, with yeah. both the tackles. Right. Both of them. Cause Trey Pimpkins, cause we got, we got storm Norton to hell up out of there. Like we were asking for and Now he's back in our lives. I'll take the blame for this one. Yeah. Trey right. Pimpkins actually looked all right, but I know storm, I'm storm stuff. storm. I know this is against Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen too. Really great pass rushers. And I don't mean to have simple analysis here, Hayden, but I, I again, this is going to knock points scored down, which means fantasy points scored down. You know, they're just going to score fewer points in total. But I'm with you. Like, maybe they get Austin Eckler a bit more involved in the passing game quickly. Maybe this to. is and Keenan Allen when he gets back. And if not, until then, DeAndre Carter. The name I would keep playing is, is Gerald Everett because he is their best yards after catch player right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they gave him a go ball down the seam, too. Uh, he's the tight end seven in usage and points right now. Austin Eckler, 55% routes last last week, uh, despite trailing the entire game. And Josh Kelly had a ball uh, tipped off of him for an eye. And it just, it's just not good enough for the Chargers right now. And I, I think all of the like uh, film bros saying that like they can't throw the ball downfield and all that stuff, it, I think it's only going to get worse with yes. Jalen Guyton gone and Rashawn Slater gone. And the run blocking will get worse, too. That sucks. Los Angeles Rams. Good luck to you predicting the Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson split each and every week. Because what we saw from week one, Hayden, feels like it is now totally different here in week three. Cam Akers is, on some level, making people miss. Daryl Henderson is a bit quicker in a straight line and picking up the yards blocked for him. But as it stands right now, Cam Akers has clearly won back some of the trust that Sean McVay wanted to impart on to some second running back. But neither are tremendous plays on a weekly basis, despite being tied to this offense. It's really tough because they had Daryl Henderson playing the first half. And then the second half, it was all Cam Akers. The issue is this Cam Akers goal line touch right here in the box was fumbled. So we're going into next week where we're just going to have to trust uh, what Jordan Rodriguez is saying right now, both of them outside the top 40 when it comes to running back fantasy usage. 
I'm not sure. There's, I think they're going to pass the ball more and more and more. And Cam Akers is still not trusted on those situations. Um, I think it's going to be more and more Matthew Stafford. Allen Robinson dropped that red zone opportunity. As of right now, he's ninth in red zone targets across the league. That's tied with Cooper Cup. And that doesn't even include the red zone touchdown that he scored in week two. That is the theory of the play with Allen Robinson, that he is a pivotal piece to them inside the 10 and inside the 20. I am not giving up on him to the degree like, hey, I might be giving up on Kadiris Tony, who we'll get to in a moment. Whoa, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> One more week. I'm, I know Allen Robinson doesn't look great, but for a team that throws more than just about anyone who just had their running back fumble inside the five-yard line as well, touchdowns should be on the way for Allen Robinson with the usage that they have for him. It just was bad for a second week in, in three. There's nothing else I can say about that. You know, what I can say is it's shocking that Cooper cup was able just to walk in the end zone on that end around that the Arizona Cardinals tried out there. I don't know how the most important offensive player at wide receiver in the league, just no one trails him and he goes untouched for 30 yards and walks in. It's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. The Cardinals should probably draft like four more uh, off-ball linebackers to fix it. <laughs> okay. Next up, we have the Miami Dolphins. Hayden, we finally saw who the red zone, who the goal line running back is going to be, and it turned into Chase Edmonds. Um, that's great. This team still struggles to run the football. It's still built around 60% of the targets to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, but we like questions answered and we have that with Chase Edmonds. Yeah, but he's like still like not playing all the passing down situations. It's it's confusing. They just don't use them basically at all. So yep. both of them outside the top 40 in, in usage. Um yeah. I think he he either one of them could have a game like Devin Singletary where they get uh, things get going and just it falls into their lap, but like consistency in this offense is not going to be there. No. It's another clear-cut, straightforward offense where Tyree killed Jan Waddle, fantastic. And I just love what Mike McDaniel was putting out there each and every week. That throw from Tua, and I keep bringing it up, the 45-yarder down the seam to Jalen Waddle, well, down the middle mm -hmm. of the field, I should say. The best throw of that game. Yeah. One of the best throws of the week. Oh, yeah. And even the Skoranek, no, it wasn't Skoranek. I keep messing up Skoranek and Craycraft. I don't know why I would ever do that. Who would have thought? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they all look alike. Uh, <laughs> Craycraft, that, that was a dart. That was well yeah. covered. And he just mm -hmm. put it in the numbers. So yeah. love seeing that for Tua. Playing on Thursday Night Football. Minnesota Vikings up now. Uh, we were lied to by Justin Jefferson. We were lied to by Justin Jefferson. Quote, pretty much where Cooper Cup was at is where I'm at. That's what Justin Jefferson told the Ringer NFL show and Steven Ruiz this summer about his role in the Vikings offense this year. Granted, JJ said not to expect a 64% slot rate like Cooper Cup. But we have seen Hayden is 33% of his snaps in the slot through three games, yet 11 of his 18 catches this season originated out of the slot and 149 of his 214 yards. So you want more slot snaps for him? Hell yeah, I want more slot snaps. Yeah, I think the story, it didn't matter if he was in the slot, if he's in the backfield, it didn't really matter what was going to happen last week. Just the way that the offense uh or the way that the Lions were playing them, there's a lot of bracket coverage. You don't really see double teams too often, but you see uh, Okuda in a lot of trail techniques, not on every single one of these, but with a safety over the top. And Jeff Okuda, man, he looks really good 
in general. He looks like he was a top five pick because he this was, was in a while. But that is good recovery. He's got the length. He was very. They were very physical with Justin Jefferson, and it was getting him a little bit irritated. So even when they put him into the slot, they were still getting brackets on them. It's not just like one of those situations where you're going to keep feeding Justin Jefferson the ball. The offense was moving the ball in general. Uh, it was just one of those situations where he was schemed out of it, and Jeff Okuda is legit. I think he's going to be a pro bowler this year, um, and it was just a great game. I mean, this snap, an isolated man coverage where That's you're sending an extra rusher. This is fantastic. This jam to get him off balance and continue down. It's a low comeback. This this might have been a, a hold. Huh. But then he plays the ball. I didn't see a flag. What I don't love before we I remember there was one snap, I was creating a clip and then it was. Yeah. There, there, there were some other penalties. I don't think it was that one. Um, this is the other part we relied to. And this isn't a Justin Jefferson thing. This is a... Uh, Kevin O'Connell thing. And this was pointed out all summer. I think Dwayne McFarlane, Ian, and everyone at PFF said this. Cooper Cup saw 78 targets, resulting in 60 receptions for 805 yards and seven touchdowns last season. His fantastic year with a linebacker or safety in primary coverage. In any of those snaps, show me if we saw a linebacker or a safety on Justin Jefferson. You know, I can't say every single game. It's easy to do that. I'm not a genius. Um, but let's get Justin Jefferson. If we're going to get the Cooper Cup role, which we're not, I mean, I should just let that go. Uh, but Kevin O'Connor was a part of this. Like, let's get a dude. They won. Yes. Fantastic. But it's just not the same, you know, and people were deciding first wide receiver between who it's pretty clear who the answer is. Yeah. I did want to throw this uh, out there at the end because Justin Jefferson was the reason that Adam Thielen had this touchdown wide open. Like, look, you see Jefferson, in sweet motion all the way in the backfield as a little sweep action, three defenders, three have eyeballs on Justin Jefferson and Okuda following him across the formation in 25, whoever the hell that is uh, saying, Hey, no, Jeff, you go the opposite way and follow Adam Thielen running that way. No one does. And uh, Adam Thielen's wide open because of it. So like that helps the offense in totality doesn't help our fantasy teams with Justin Jefferson on them. I thought he was getting screens and they were putting him into the slot. And I, I thought it was just a tip, tip your hat to old Dan Campbell okay. and Okuda. Yeah. He'll Got be it. back. Uh, Alexander Madison, one of the most disrespected players in fantasy football. I don't think right now we have any word on if Dalvin is playing, if Dalvin is not playing, it's the same recurring shoulder issue that he's had surgery on. I think in the last couple of years, um, we've seen Dalvin even after, struggling with a shoulder issue, have monstrous games, like 180-yard games, 150-yard games after this. We've also seen, though, when Alexander Madison does get opportunities, Alexander Madison immediately becomes a top-12 scoring running back. Easy as that. The easiest formula in fantasy. I love it. We didn't have to talk about him that much in the podcast this entire offseason because it's just like, yep, he has a chance to be a top-10 fantasy running back. I will throw in that there was that moment during training camp when... Some blogs, some beat writers speculated that, hey, are we sure that Alexander Madison is going to be the backup for this team? They really like Kene and Wonglu. They really like Ty Chandler. Last week, Ty Chandler was inactive. So who knows if they try to get in Wonglu and Ty Chandler for explosives, because that's not really Alexander Madison's game. But it would be beyond shocking to me if Alexander Madison isn't the one if Dalvin Cook misses to have 15 touches. I mean, he looked great on that touchdown running over the face of did get blown up in pass, bro. Yes, but running did. over the face. I mean that 
that defender was coming in quite hot. But he stuck in there, but he did get lit the fuck up. New England Patriots. You know, if Mac Jones wasn't hurt and going to miss some contests, this would be a different conversation we're about to have because he looked so good throwing down the field, Hayden. It was middle of the field. It was near the sideline, touch and zip. This might shock people. Mac Jones right now leads the NFL in 20-plus yard passing attempts. And the way that he and Devontae Parker had a great connection in week three is something that hopefully picks back up when Mac Jones does return to the starting lineup. Yeah, uh, it's sad. It seems like he might go on injured reserve. Um, the running backs right now, it's basically going back and forth in a straight rotation the last two weeks. Damian Harris, 13.9 and 13.6 expected half PPR points without Ty Chandler. There's, they're not using a third running back. So uh, some of the like s- snaps and routes and those type of things are kind of diluted just because some of the drives just happen to be a little bit longer than the other. I yeah. wouldn't put too much stock in that. I'll, I'll pull up the chart. Um, I think I have it right here. It's it's it, it's pretty clear. It's just like, all right, Ramondre gets a drive. Damien gets a drive. Ramondre gets a drive. And it just goes back and forth. So I wouldn't lean into it too much. I think they trust both players in all situations. And just they're just not going to get the ball as much because, you know, the, the Patriots offense could get really bad with Brian Hoyer. Yeah, I, I did want to bring this up because I've seen it a lot when people immediately go back and look at the usage on Monday mornings and the snap totals and the routes run and yada, 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 and say, oh, now Ramondre Stevenson is the running back one or he has running back one usage. I love that your visuals here because it really does show that this is a condensed two-person backfield and one guy gets a series like we saw with Damian getting one carry or one touch on that opening drive. Then the next drive is Ramondre Stevenson's. Then the next drive is Damian's. Then it's Ramondre's. Then it's Damian's. Then it's Ramondre's. Then it's Damian's. You know? Like... No one is the it's it's one A and one B and Damien gets a start. And that's that. Like, I don't think we are we have seen anything as of yet to say, like, oh yes, it's very clear now Mondre is is the dude, despite what the percentages might might suggest on Monday mornings. Fair? That's that's why the charts are the, the best. That's why the charts are the best. That's why you're the best, Hayden. Dang. That's why you're the best. Okay. Uh New Orleans Saints time, as Daigle put so eloquently on the instant reaction show. The more prayers you throw up, the more likely they're answered, especially when you're tied to Jameis Winston. And the man who saw a ton of prayer yards in week two now had them beautifully answered. And that's Chris Olave. To the tune of Hayden, this is from Scott Barrett. Chris Olave has led the league in air yards in back-to-back weeks. He had 603 air yards over the last two weeks. Only one player is over 400 in that span of time. Bombs away. It's class. And we're going to peak Jameis Winston. They're not being (laughs) completed, but I mean, this guy is slinging the the back injury stuff. Like maybe there's like an accuracy issue or something like that, but there's no, there's no zip issue. There's a couple of completed throws to the sideline that I thought were excellent passes. Chris Olave looks good. We'll get some more clarity on Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas injuries. But right now, Chris Olave's role down the field is very important. And because that are, haven't been moving the ball with any consistency. They're trailing in some games. It's just bombs away, bombs away, bombs away. Um, I do have a quick little take on Give Alvin Kamara. I think he's lost a step. There's a couple Ooh. plays here. A couple plays. He had a he had a drop. There was a couple plays where linebackers were chasing him down. There was a couple plays where he's kind of getting his uh, feet tangled up. Just stuff I haven't really seen 
with Alvin Kamara. And there was one play um, where they get down to the five yard line. They sub Mark Ingram in for a touchdown. So uh, maybe I'm reading into it, but this is kind of the point of the career where we start seeing little glimpses. And I have seen a little bit of difference um, with Alvin Kamara, in my opinion, and his usage has just not been nearly as good. 78 or 70% of the snaps last week, um, RB 25 and usage for the, uh, through the first three weeks. I think he's more of like an RB two than like an RB one, just because his offense isn't like there's I no mean, success. If, if this show is about resetting expectations for certain players, resetting your expectations for Alvin Kamara is, is mm-hmm. important. Yeah. Um, he wasn't a smash second or third round pick who was going to avoid suspension. Um, I find it amazing what this offense is is now the Jameis Winston offense that was very similar to like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers one when Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were the wide receiver two and three overall in that same season. Um, Like this, the Panthers are sending blitz. Like they're showing a zero blitz look up front and then bailing out underneath with, I'll try to, yeah, look at this. (laughs) That was like the Dolphins all game. And then bailing out with a defensive tackle and both the linebackers, no safety over top. And James is like, even if you send all these dudes, I am unleashing it down the field to my rookie wide receiver in Chris Olave. It's a beautiful ball against CJ Henderson, who was getting smoked a lot in this game. And Olave is the man. Like he looks a complete professional. Like we saw last year at Ohio state, about three or four of these final catches were without Jarvis Landry and were without Michael Thomas. But if this team is worse, both defensively and offensively, that means in fourth quarters, in third quarters, there's going to be unleashing it. They're going to try to get back into it. An aggressive Jameis gives us fantasy points, even if it means losing football games. And I feel like this team has really embraced that after, you know, Sean Payton in the first three games of last year kept him to 18 to 23 passing attempts. So I don't see anything of this slowing down with, I mean, he's not going to get, you know, the numbers of 13 targets for nine receptions each and every week, but let's get nine targets and six receptions every week and have some huge shots down the field that can equal huge fantasy points for us. That's great. Yep. I'll be ranking him as a flex this week for sure. Even if uh, the other receivers are healthy, Philadelphia Eagles. What a team Hayden and hello, Devante Smith. He wins everywhere, everywhere. We saw AJ Brown being fantastic in week one. Devontae Smith, after that week one, when everything was along the sideline, this team is dominating with their pure, smart wide receiver usage. And it's to the point where this offense is solely finely tuned and running at such a high level that both AJ Brown and Devontae Smith can get there every single week. Super impressive stuff from everybody. Um, like you said, the targets near the sideline, 100% of them in week one. Since then, only 68% of them, which is uh, even better than most wide receivers. Uh, yeah, some of the clips, it, lots of stuff over the middle. There was obviously, he was absolutely mossing people. Uh, some oh. of them near the, the sideline. I think it was this one, which was like maybe the one of the best catches. Um, whew, that's nasty. Uh, but there were some crossing routes, some screen stuff. There was a lot of fun stuff. They get him in a bunch sets like this one. They make it a little bit easier. And he's just very good at football, you know? Dylan Hurts is good at football. A.J. Brown is good at football. The offensive line is good at football. Devontae Smith is good at football. I mean, to me, what always stood out when 
there were conversations about his weight coming out of Alabama, 170 pounds. We haven't seen anyone like this, so on and so forth. It overlooked the fact that he plays so big and so long. And that is so important for a player like this who can win along the sideline, who can win in the end zone. There's a plays on back-to-back drives where it's a little skinny post, and we'll get to it in a moment, that he goes up and catches at his highest point. The timing is all there. This and one. This one. And, and why it's so important is this is possible because of the Jalen Hurts development. You know, he rarely threw to his left side. He rarely threw the middle of the field. And then this is on the same series three plays later. He knows as soon as he's coming out of his break, Devontae Smith does, I'm open, throw it to my back shoulder, like towards the pylon, and I'm going to be open. And that's exactly where Jalen Hurts puts it. And then you get single coverage. Like there were even opportunities that didn't happen in this game. Like we could have more points, especially in the second half, because all of them really happened in the first half. So I guess, and I open this way, and my opinion is that this can continue each and every week, despite what we saw from Devontae Smith. Like, are you comfortable, obviously, starting both of them in every single format moving forward? A.J. Brown's wide receiver seven, Devonta Smith, wide receiver 30, and fantasy usage. I can see that split uh, holding. That's I think both of them get there. This is a team that's going to have a ton of plays. They're playing with pace. They're passing the ball all over the yard. And Jalen Hurts looks really good. So um, I think this is mostly sustainable. Kendall Fuller had a LAD, a long-ass day, trying to cover Devontae Smith. It was really rough. My buddy Fran Duffy pointed this out with the Eagles, that they decided to go out of empty in a bunch of key situations. Like on a third and six, a third and eight, and a fourth and four, they trusted their offensive line, and they just did double slants with both Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown on the same side of the field. And Jack Del Rio, this Washington Coverage had no answers for it over and over and over again. And so if you think about this, guess what we're going to see next week out of that empty set? Sluggos. We're going to get some big plays off of that. But yeah, Jack Del Rio still needs to do more research. <laughs> his, his own for the record. Um, the USC, that's a Trojan, isn't he? He's been denounced. We don't talk about that one. <laughs> um. But again, you can't run empty in pivotal situations like that unless your offensive line is just that damn good. And their offensive line is uh, is that damn good. Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, by the way, we skipped over the New York teams. I'm not sure if that was an intentional. I'm oh. okay if it is intentional, but we the people have been saying it. Okay, well, let's go back then. Okay. A little bit out of order. That's my fault. That's okay. um, I, have, I have everything out of order here. So let's go to the New York Giants first. Saquon is dominant. Let's talk, have this Kadarius Tony conversation because if Sterling Shepard's injury doesn't open the door for Kadarius Tony, I know he was missed with an injury, but if it doesn't turn him to an 80% player, a 60% player, then nothing is going to this season. This is the last week. This is this is the drop week. We you don't start him. Um, we'll see if he's healthy. Wanda Robinson still seems like he's a couple weeks away. Uh, if you can't beat out David Sills, it's not gonna happen. Or, or Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay, I mean, man. Goes out there and just drops that pass. Can't do it. Can't win with them. Can't do it. Yeah, it's really tough. New York Jets. I mean, this was on purpose. Not much to talk about with the Giants. Um, I've seen a lot of Brees Hall has passed Michael Carter as well. I don't know if you can dive into your spreadsheets and like figure out their stuff. But I also think this running back usage, we need to maybe reset it moving forward as well. Because as we have seen, Running backs attached to Joe Flacco get a bunch of checkdowns. Some of that was scripted with Brees Hall. We saw some anger routes and some, you know, manufactured things. But that's all going to change with Zach Wilson unless he has also changed his game. You know, like outside of structure, Joe Flacco, 
checks it down to his backs outside of structure. Zach Wilson drifts to the sideline and launches passes down the field. Yeah, I agree with that evaluation. Um, Brees Hall is ahead of Michael Carter in the usage model. Um, Brees Hall was playing more, uh, running more routes just in general compared to Michael Carter. Michael Carter still getting the starts and the early down work and um, hasn't made too many mistakes in my opinion. So Brees Hall's looked pretty explosive on, on his opportunities. Um, but I think a lot of it was just the scoreboard and just check down, check down, check down. And a lot of it's kind of probably noise. Um, I'm still going to be ranking him as like an RB three, not going to make him an RB two yet. And they are still dealing with tackle issues. Makai yeah. Becton, we know is out for the year. Dwayne Brown, I think, is out for an extended period of time right now. And then George Fant is out till week eight. I think he just got put on injured reserve, too. Um, we need to see something from Zach Wilson pretty early on, I believe. I understand he's coming back from a significant knee injury. But that fan base talks about, I think it was the game against the Titans last year, which it was outside of structure stuff. Again, it's not the inside and the flow of everything that where Joe Flacco is succeeding with Elijah Moore and with Garrett Wilson on the timing and the anticipation of it all. Um, we saw a little bit of that and what people love to cite the 17 of 31 game or whatever against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But we need to see that here with Zach Wilson immediately. We can't just see the outside of structure stuff that can be fun or else it's the same dude. I mean, how many, how many good weapons do you, do you need? This is, this is the time you can evaluate him now. Like the, the other, like the last year stuff, you can't evaluate him. Garrett Wilson looks phenomenal. Elijah Moore, we know is good. Corey Davis is good in his role. Brees Hall is explosive. Michael Carter can run the ball. If your offensive line's not that good, so be it. We need to see some of this is the time. And it's a screenshot of with the same offensive line issues, basically the statue quarterback succeeding with them with points, at least mm -hmm. versus one who wants to play to his own tune at times. Uh, Quickly, Tyler Conklin's getting a ton of volume. Like for where tight end is with a bunch of these names that people drafted and want to get rid of, Tyler Conklin is massively involved despite those two studs at wide receiver we keep talking about. Tight end eight in usage, the tight end three in points. He's, I believe, the tight end one in routes run. I will make a huge caveat here. The Jets are on like another planet when it comes to just pass attempts, play volume in general, because they played in some wonky games to start the season. None of that stuff's uh, sustainable. So all these guys aren't going to have the same exact usage. Uh, Garrett Wilson, all of them, it's, it's just not sustainable. Pittsburgh Steelers, a pointless franchise with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback right now. True. Deontay Johnson, you can start every week gritting your teeth. He's really good at the game. I still think George Pickens is good at the game. I think Chase Claypool has talent. Even Pat Fryermuth, who was awesome in the first two weeks, basically goes for 40 yards in huge garbage time last week. Uh, and it's all pointed at the quarterback. Like nothing is going to change until that changes. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it will. They're, they're about to go into a very tough part of their schedule um, the next like month of the year. And we'll see if Kenny Pickett comes in after that. But it seems like they're being pretty stubborn over there. Uh, quick note, George Pickens. Love him, but all 12 of his targets are near the sideline, and those are inefficient type of targets. Uh, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, both uh, on paper positive regression candidates, but um, we've seen them be inefficient for long periods of time, and we know that Trubisky is going to be inefficient, so I'm not even calling them like positive regression candidates, really. Okay, San Francisco 49ers. We get a heavy dose of Jeff Wilson. Um, that's great. Like, 
I thought he looked better maybe than he ever has before. Uh, we did see what this offense drifted back to with Jimmy Garoppolo. And to me, what was always lost in the Jimmy Garoppolo versus Trey Lance conversation is that Jimmy also made mistakes, different areas of the field, but also made mistakes without the theoretical upside that Trey Lance gives you as an athlete to win outside of structure and outside the numbers with the one caveat being, I do think Jimmy is trying to test outside the numbers a little bit more than he has in the past. Yeah. I think you saw the same yeah. thing. Yeah, he still throws a pretty ball, but he makes those mistakes and it costs him the game again. But uh, for fantasy purposes, it's just how do we cut up an offense that's 30th in completions with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle? Because right now, uh, to start the season, George Kittle, the tight end 19, that's only one game. Uh, Debo Samuel, uh, wide receiver 16, Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver 48 in usage. So they got to be balling, 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 balling to be like really, really relevant. Um, they're all good enough to make it happen. I just don't see where the consistencies are really going to come, come from unless Jimmy G like takes another step. But I think at this point we kind of know who he is. So uh, they did scheme up some Brandon Ayuk stuff. They did scheme up early on um, yeah. Debo Samuel. Obviously I think George Kittle might be the one that I'm most nervous about. And, oh, we have, we haven't talked about this. Trent Williams is going to miss some time with a high ankle yep. sprain. They're uh, did you see what happened? Their left tackle. They bring in, he plays seven snaps. He misses a block. He doesn't block somebody just based off of his read. They had to bench him. He was PFF's worst offensive tackle. He played seven snaps. They got his ass out of there. Um, I didn't know Storm Norton played for the 49ers. He was he was worse than Storm Norton. He was worse. And the rest of the 49ers offensive line is bad already. We were like, yeah. the hey, interior is real is an issue. Yep. Woo. Yep. I'm a little nervous here. It. I think what might have to happen is a bunch of edge runs to Debo, put something in his hands. And what I keep pointing out is when that happened towards the end of last year, Brandon Ayuk became such a prominent piece of this offense, but it all gets taken down a few notches when you literally don't have the best offensive lineman in the league at left tackle. Yeah. My galaxy brain theory is what if you have your ass kicking tight end stay into chip and yeah. not run routes as much. So yep. uh, the Dawson Knox theory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll see where I'm going to be ranking George Kittle, but it will not be, uh, that high Seattle Seahawks. I don't think there's a lot to say here. Like it's still a two wide receiver team. DK Metcalf really got home last week after having some air yards, some plays taken away in the first two weeks. That's great to see Tyler Lockett. still Tyler Lockett. Uh, maybe the most interesting thing was I saw some like manufactured receiving usage over to Kenneth Walker, but despite how fun and good he looked in those small moments in the end, it's not going to matter when this team plays super slow and they're also splitting the early down work with Rashad Penny that we keep saying every single week. And even after you spend a first round pick on Rashad Penny, a second round pick on Kenneth Walker, you still feel it in your bones that you need to have a passing down back in Travis Homer, DJ Dallas. Lots of stuff going on with the running backs. I want to get to them next. Number one, Geno Smith in completion percentage over expected. He is throwing the ball. I don't, I don't, he's not, he's not an explosive player. The offense is still frustrating. The dude could sling it. Like, I'm just, I'm leaving it. That's why I'm okay that. with DK and Tyler Lockett. Like, right, I'm okay with them. Right. And their usage has been not super pretty, but fine. DK Metcalf, the wide receiver 20 in usage. Tyler Lockett, wide receiver 35 in usage. Geno is, I think, at least okay enough throwing the ball to get them uh, the rock. And, this last week, they're playing a little bit more of like a, a 2022 NFL offense. Um, as for the running backs, what was happening was Rashad Penny was getting their work early on. 
Um, they gave Kenny Walker or Kenneth Walker a a traditional running back snap, and he runs the wrong way. Everyone's going left. He goes right. They have to just eat that play. But they did get Ken Walker out in the flats, catches the ball, which is surprising because he doesn't have hands per for all the prospect uh, people out there. The dynasty uh, community. Yes, he was able to catch the ball with his hands, which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, and then they got him some jet sweep action, and there was a couple fancy uh, runs yeah. from Ken Walker. Um, he's clearly just needs more time to develop, and even with the development, uh, this is going to be not a great offense in general, and they're losing snaps to DJ Dallas, and they want to throw the ball with DJ Dallas at the goal line. So it's, a, it's a complete mess, uh, but it was good to see Ken Walker catch some passes and get out in space. I feel like we're going to say the same thing about those two every single week, and like nothing is really going to change for us unless one of them goes down. But even yeah. when we saw Rashad Penny in that early down roll, there wasn't a lot to make for it early on in the season. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, my main point is that I'm not going to give up on this Bucks offense. For now, I am. Long-term, I'm not. It's a long way to go with all the injuries they have right now. Uh, we need at least Julio Jones to get back. We know that Mike Evans is coming back. Um, it's just anchoring everything where in isolation, Tom Brady does not look worse. But again, the ceiling of the points scored and along with the offensive line injuries is making it so, hey, let's bring the band back together is not working out here in 2022. I think next week when they get Mike Mike Evans back, it seems like Julio Jones has a chance to play then. Russell Gage hopefully is a little healthier. Maybe things get cleaned up. Um, but yeah, it's been very tough to watch. They're trying to run the ball. It hasn't been working because of the offensive line. I'm not sure if that's really going to fix itself. Um, but last week it was really just Scotty Miller can't play. Rashad Perryman can't play. and That's Pepper Russell Gage with... 17 targets or whatever it was he doesn't look right like he had a, no. he had a good game on the stat sheet he doesn't look explosive like last year there was a couple of plays uh with the falcons i was like damn like that i haven't seen that explosiveness out of him uh, i haven't seen that yet with the bucks um but mike evans tends to make things a little easier and hopefully julio jones is his knee injury isn't too serious um we'll see if you're listening to coach speak coaches did say they want to get rashad white more involved um so far, that has not happened in the least because it's so clear, and they even said this, that we love Leonard Fournette out there because he's the trusted player. Yeah. Um, so just something to keep your eye on the next couple weeks if Rashad White does get more work, and namely as a runner. Like, he's gotten some passing down work. He hasn't gotten any rushing usage. Yeah. They need to throw him the, a couple tosses just to get him out in space and like just see if there's anything because Leonard Fournette's not going to be an explosive player. Right. Can I say, just on record, if... Chris Godwin comes back and Mike Evans comes back and Julio Jones comes back. I'm back in on this offense long-term for the season in general. Their defense is good. So what I'm saying, like let's not forget Tom's first year there where they weren't very good in the first seven games. There wasn't really an answer for that other than him being in a new place with new coordinators and new play callers. This is pretty clear what the answer and the issue is. And hopefully it's difficult for this to happen, but hopefully that gets sorted out as they go along. Because once it does, it's it's an awesome unit. But Tom's like quarterback 25 right now in points per game. Like, obviously, you can't play. Yeah, they're not even trying to throw the ball. Tennessee Titans, huge Traylon Burks usage. But as some might say, only a few earned targets and only one <laughs> catch targets. Oh to show for it, Hayden. I love earned targets, Josh. This is great. <laughs> um yeah, 94% routes last week, but earned a target on 9% of drop. And that's backs. a big difference. Like the 94% snaps is a huge difference for him. 
Well, Kyle Phillips didn't play. That's a pretty big right. caveat. That's so a huge when difference, re- especially yeah. when we brought up with Traylon Burks, a major part of his game were those middle of the field and even slot mm-hmm. reps that he had at Arkansas. And if Kyle Phillips was also eating into those, and again, exactly what you said, that's a huge distinction to make. Yeah, there's two plays I remember with Traylon. There's one uh, man coverage down the red area and uses his strength, kind of throws the corner off and gets tackled at the one yard line. Uh, that was a great rep for him, just using his size. The next one, a dig route uh, on the backside and just drops the pass over the middle. So, um, yeah, he's on the field. That's a win. We'll see if he's good enough at the game to yeah. earn earn more targets. Because well, all of the other rookie wide receivers are doing it. You know, Garrett Wilson's doing it. Drake London, definitely doing it. Chris Olave, doing it. I feel like I'm missing another name. But uh, Dotson. Oh, yeah. Jahan Dotson. Let's talk about them right now in the Washington Commanders. Because what you get with Dotson and Terry McLaurin is Dotson has a 15 A dot. Terry McLaurin has a 15.9 a dot and Curtis Samuel still at 3.6. And when you face a team, Philadelphia Eagles, this is the type of passing chart you're going to have because of that. When the rush gets home with four, your quarterback plants his feet, walks into sacks. He understands that he can't test it vertically down the field with Dotson and Terry McLaurin. So they're not going to face the Eagles every single week, but this is why Curtis had usage earlier on versus everyone else. Yeah. I'm tilting over Curtis Samuel. He had uh, 16.2 expected half PPR points. Didn't have a huge game himself, but the usage was, was there this, this chart, I can tell you that's uh, too high coverage on the backside and scared shitless with the pass rush. And that's, that's the Eagles. That's exactly what happened. Like if the pass rush gets homes with four Carson Wentz is screwed, you know, no one can do it really like the Eagles, especially that, but they have to play them again. It's something to keep in mind. And maybe we'll see some new wrinkles from Scott Turner, but um, I understand none of them really got home last week. Uh, I'm still totally fine with Curtis Samuel's usage because it was the only thing that was working early on in this contest. And it's going, he's going to get touches each week. I always say this, always going to get touches because it's the easy stuff. It's the yeah. easy button in this offense. Yeah. He's earning those targets. <laughs> okay. Um, real quick pop, pop quiz for you. Uh, we're very close for Brian Robinson getting back. Yeah. What, what, what do we have early predictions on what's going to happen there? Let's, let's say like two, three weeks after Brian Robinson's active. I'm talking about like November 1st. What's going to happen there? Because I thought Antonio Gibson has done well on his schemed opportunities. Um, but Brian Robinson was the starter. We're getting closer. I know I saw him like uh, doing ladder drills two weeks ago. This last week, I saw him on the field before before stuff. People, he should he should be rostered and put into your I Yahoo agree. IR spot. Um, and then like, what happens after it, that? If you miss out on Madison, Jamal Williams, Khalil Herbert, these types, like go and think ahead for for Brian Robinson. The most important thing is Antonio Gibson has zero fumbles in these first three games. Like that sounds like I'm making a joke. It's not like he's, I think doing well enough. And there were some fun receptions early on that Brian Robinson isn't going to do that. To me, that's a huge proponent of why we love Scott Turner so much is Brian Robinson was going to be your feature back after the preseason and then you have to switch it immediately your game plan and get someone like Antonio Gibson, which is slightly different player. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they split early down usage and then they see who is the better player. I don't think that it's going to be 80, 20 
Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson. I truly think they want to know what they have in B Rob. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you could scam somebody in trading away Antonio Gibson, you should for sure do it. Like I, I wouldn't value him very high right now. I'll, like this next week, I'll rank him as like the RB 20 and right. then maybe one more week of that. And then by that point it's done. So um, I think that'll do it. I, I think we've earned a couple of likes, maybe earned a couple of subs, earned a couple of comments after this video, maybe earn a uh, podcast review on Apple. Love uh, that. Anything else we need to earn? Well, we'll be back here on Thursday with your tiers and your rankings. Um, we'll make it through a full show this time. Uh, also on Friday, we're going to start a new program. The 20 players that define week four. Some might also call it the 20 most important players for week four. It is still being figured out exactly what this title is, but rather than going game by game, we kind of wanted to stop saying things that we didn't necessarily mean and really focus on certain points that you can not only use for battle royales on underdog fantasy, but whatever other platforms you use and also your lineups for season long. Basically like 20 Benjis of the week. It's like the players that we feel good about. Um, yeah, We're going to we'll, try it out. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Thanks everyone for tuning in. If you have a friend who doesn't watch this channel or stats versus film, copy this, put it in your phone and send the link to them. Let's grow it. We're having a blast doing this. Thanks so much for tuning in. Like subscribe, do all that fun stuff up the villa. We will talk to y'all soon. See ya. <laughs>